Welcome to the Art of Healthcare podcast, where we aim to be as good at the human side of healthcare as we are at the clinical side of healthcare. My name is Chris Desmond. I'm a physiotherapist who's fascinated by how we can better help the person with the problem. Join us as we learn how to connect better, how to show up better, and how to understand our patients and ourselves better. All right, guys, welcome to the Out of Healthcare podcast. This is where we get to explore the human side of healthcare with experts so that we can learn how to better help the person with the problem. Today is a really special podcast. Um, I'm going to do a solo episode today on a problem-solving approach to person-centered care. And for the members who are in the the Art of Healthcare team, this is a virtual team where we meet online and really look to accelerate our humanistic skills in healthcare. This is a a live presentation for these guys and they're going to get that about a month or six weeks before this goes out to the rest of the world. Hey there team, we're just taking a short break in the chat to let you know about something really exciting. Podcasts are great and I'm sure that you're getting a whole heap from this one, but they don't always move the needle on improving our skill set in the human side of healthcare. And that's why I've set up the Art of Healthcare team. It's a safe and supportive online community of healthcare providers learning from experts and each other about how to really up our game in the human skill sets that are vital for delivering healthcare in the future. So when you're ready, we'd love for you to join us. Head on over to team.artofhealthcare.nz to find out more and to sign up. Back to the show. So... What is person-centered care to start with is probably a good question. Person-centered care at its most basic form is assisting the person that we're serving to manage well with their condition. And a lot of us have heard of patient-centered care and and to be honest, person-centered care and patient-centered care get bandied around and often used interchangeably, but they are subtly different. So person-centered care is assisting the person to manage well with their condition as opposed to patient-centered care, which is assisting the person to manage their condition well. So subtle difference there. The first one is kind of looking at person-centered care through or how a person is going through a broad lens. So how are they managing in their life with their condition? As opposed to patient-centered care, which looks at things from a much more narrow lens of how are they managing their condition? And If we go a little bit deeper on person-centered care, so there's nine themes of person-centered care that have been identified as important ones in the delivery of helping the person that is in front of us and putting them at the center of their care. And they empathy, respect, engagement, building a relationship, effective communication, shared decision-making, having a holistic focus, having an individualized focus and coordinated care as well. And so you're listening to these nine concepts and 
you're probably smiling and nodding and thinking, oh yeah, these these are valuable. They sound like they're really important in terms of getting good outcomes for people. But once you've been smiling and nodding for a little bit, you kind of start to think, okay, that's all well and good, but how do we actually do them? How do we put these concepts into practice and it's challenging especially when there's discrepancies of definitions for concepts like empathy and how empathy is defined and how it's measured from study to study in the healthcare literature they are often they often seem like vague concepts that are really slippery to apply in practice and that we can't quite put our finger on and if we flip over a little bit to the the reductionist model of, of biomedical healthcare there are some really helpful things in the biomedical model of healthcare. It offers us some really, really helpful frameworks for following when we're delivering healthcare, when we're addressing pathology, when we're looking to try and assist patients. So even though we know that the biomedical model of healthcare is not optimal for the future of healthcare in terms of patient outcomes and, and healthcare worker enjoyment and fulfillment it does have some good stuff like some really awesome frameworks that we can follow and i've got a question for you what if there were some helpful frameworks for us to use to start delivering person-centered care so instead of vague slippery concepts we follow a approach or we follow a, a framework that is going to be helpful because people are really complex and they're really unique and delivering person-centered care doesn't always need to start the same way every time and it doesn't always follow the same pathway but if we have an an overarching framework or an overarching thing that we can think about when we're looking to deliver person-centered care at least for my brain i find it's really helpful to be able to follow So I think as as healthcare providers, we we're trained problem solvers. We probably have our natural tendencies are to want to solve problems. And then we go through our undergraduate training, we go through our postgraduate training, we go through our ongoing professional development. And we're looking for problems to try and solve, whether that be pathological, whether it be biomechanical, whether it be returning someone to work or returning someone to an activity. Here's a problem. We want to try and solve it. Unfortunately, when it comes to delivering person-centered healthcare, we are often focusing on the wrong problems, or we're often focusing on the problems that don't lead to person-centered care. They lead to biomedical care, or they lead to sometimes even patient-centered care, which is not a bad thing, but it gets in the way of us being able to deliver person-centered care. And this is a bold statement, but sometimes I think our training and the systems that we follow within healthcare and the way that healthcare is funded and the way that our, our healthcare systems are set up, sometimes that blinds us to the humanity of the person that is in front of us and we lose the ability to see them as a person instead of a list of, of problems. And 
case in point, I had a I had a lady a few months back while I was still working clinically. One of my junior physiotherapists came to me and, and asked me, "Hey, Chris, can you can you help me explain some things to this lady?" And I said, "Yeah, sure thing. I'm happy to help." And it, it turns out that this was a phone call, and I thought that. I thought that I had a handle on the situation and I went and I explained the, the process for a referral to a specialist. I r- explained the <clears throat> prognostically what was likely to happen for, for her shoulder and I – sorry, Tim, just a bit of a cough – explained prognostically and – what was likely to happen if she didn't follow through with this? And I got off the phone after 15 minutes and I thought, okay, cool. That was good. And the, my junior was sitting in the room with me as well. And I turned to him and said, oh, how did that go? Was was that helpful for you? And he said like, yeah, that was really helpful. And I think she would have got a lot out, out of it. Two days later, I had a complaint made about me off the back of that phone call. And the lady that I was talking to felt that I was trying to pressure her into something that she didn't want to do. And I was trying to solve problems for her. And I thought that I had solved the problems for her that she wanted to to have solved. But unfortunately for me, I didn't take the time to actually figure out what the right problems were to solve for her. So that led to this complaint being made. And obviously we've kind of worked through that and I've processed it as well and and apologized to her as well for this. And, but it was a, a really nice informative learning experience for me who has been a physio for 15 years and thought I had a handle on the situation is that I always need to be focusing on the person and how I can put the person at the center of my care. But because we're because we're problem solvers, I think let's lean on our ability to solve problems for people in a person-centered way. We just need to be aware of the problems that they bring to us and which ones are the most helpful ones for us to solve. So there's three types of problems that patients present with and that patients bring to us and bring to healthcare interactions. So the first is the problems that they don't know about. The second is the problems that they're happy to talk about with us and with their families. And the third is the problems that they don't want to talk about. So we'll break down these three different types of problems and we'll break down kind of where they sit on a person-centered care approach. So the first set of problems are the other problems that patients or people that come to see us don't know about. They're the what problems. So what's going on? What's likely to happen with this? What can I do to help it get better? So the people coming to see us, they're looking to seek some certainty they're looking to seek some understanding and some answers for the the, what's going on for them at that time they want to know what's going on what's likely to happen what they can do to help it get better and 
we're really good at addressing those problems as healthcare providers. That's what we're trained to do. We can fire off a diagnosis. We can fire off a prognosis. We can fire off a prescription. And we can give it to these people and away they go. So we're taking our expertise and our knowledge and our learning and we're applying it in a unidirectional, so a transactional approach to this person receiving care. So we're giving them the diagnosis, the prognosis, the prescription. And that is great because that gives them some certainty about what's going on. It makes them, hopefully makes them feel a little bit safer if we've taken the time also to, to normalize what's happening for them as well or to set up a really robust clinical plan. But what you can do, what you can see is that if all we do is solve these problems, then we're operating in a predominantly biomedical model of care. So we're the expert. We're spouting stuff from on high to this person unidirectionally, far barely involved at all other than answering some clinical questions for us. So it's just using this approach and just solving these problems that the person, the ones that the person doesn't really know about isn't going to give us a fully person-centered care approach. So the second set of problems are the ones that people are happy to talk about. They're the ones that people come and see us about. And, and again, we're, we're reasonably good at addressing these. And at least we're, we're, we're reasonably good at being aware of these. So there are problems like people coming and seeing us and uh, Apologies for the people that aren't physiotherapists here. This is quite a list of a lot of problems that people see me uh, see me about and, and talk to me about is things like my knee hurts. It's hard to put my shoes on. I've got this itchy rash. Not everyone says that one to me, but some people do, especially if they've had a little bit of an allergic reaction to some of the strapping tape. I can't sit down for longer than 20 minutes. It's hard to concentrate on tasks because I'm sore. I can't go to work. I can't pick up my kids. I can't drive my car. I can't cook dinner. It's hard to go up and down stairs. I get short of breath when I'm, when I'm exercising or when I'm exerting myself. And people are really happy, often really happy to share aspects of their life that are impacted because of the health challenge that they're going through. And we can take these things that they tell us and we can make smart goals to address them. And smart goals are fantastic. And smart goals are really, really good for patient-centered care approach to, to problems, to these ones that people are happy to talk to us about. And in that way, we can address those problems. And like the one, like the problems that people weren't, or the problem, unknown problems that people had, these problems, these set of problems, the ones that people are happy to talk about, allow us to operate in a patient-centered way. So you can see that kind of building on each other. So the set of problems people don't know about, biomedical, the ones that they're happy to talk about, plus the ones they don't know about, patient-centered care approach. The third set of problems that people come to see us about, these are this is the kicker here. 
These are the ones that they don't want to tell us about. And sometimes they're the ones that they're not even quite aware that they, that they have or the ones that they can't quite articulate. So these are the who problems. So these are the problems that people are the most scared of. They're the ones that maybe they might tell you about after a bottle or two of red wine late in the night. And these are ones the most vital to understand when dealing with a person and trying to deliver a patient, a person-centered care approach to healthcare. So these problems tend to be the ways that the identity of the patient is challenged. So I'm going to stop for a second and just let that sink in. So these problems, how the identity of the person that is coming to see us is challenged or is threatened. And everyone has identities that are important to them. So it could be a parent, you could be a parent, you could be a spouse, you might be someone's child. You, well, you definitely are someone's child, but that might be an important identity to you as well. You have your professional identity, you have your identity as a friend, you have your identity as a leader, you have your identity as an expert in your field. And so you have all of these different identities and often a health challenge impacts a person's ability to maintain one or more of those important identities. So if you have an injury, you might not be able to go to work. So your identity as a workmate or your identity as a part of a high functioning team is impacted, it's challenged because of your injury or your identity as a parent or a, a mother or a father might be challenged because you can't interact with your kids the way that you would like them to, you would like to, and that makes you question your worth as a mum or a dad um, or an auntie or an uncle or a grandparent. And when that happens, it's really challenging for a person. And sometimes it's like they've lost an important part of them. And if you take away that identity from a person, they sit there and they think, okay, I don't have this really important part of me any longer. What am I left with now? And not everyone goes through this thought process, but and not everyone goes through it consciously, but it's really important for us to be aware of it. And we don't always need to actively address these challenges to someone's identity, but we do need to be aware of them. And often healthcare needs, healthcare delivery only needs to happen at a biomedical level or a patient-centered level, and that's, that's enough for a lot of people. But if we're not aware of the person-centered level and we can't step up to it, when we need to, then we can never really be sure if what we're giving them is is enough. And if we need to go deeper with a, a certain person, but we don't understand how to, then we lose the opportunity to help them. And we probably make it harder for the next person to help them as well. So the set of problems that really is important for delivering person-centered care are these problems that people don't want to talk about. 
And if we don't address them, threats to identity impact someone's ability to recover because our identity is intricately tied to emotions and emotions impact our ability to recover or navigate a health challenge. When our identities are challenged, it creates an emotional response. It creates some fear, some maybe some anger, some frustration, some sadness, a sense of loss. And this emotional response can impact our ability to recover for a multitude of reasons. Challenges to our identities impact on our physiology. It impacts on our ability to process information. It impacts our ability to creatively problem solve. It impacts our feeling of psychological safety with the situation and with adopting new health behaviors. And it impacts our ability to trust another person and trust the information and their ability to help them. And in this case, it impacts their ability to trust us as healthcare practitioners and healthcare providers. And so you can see that if we miss this important part of the puzzle, things can go pear-shaped reasonably quickly. So how do we solve these problems? So the biomedical problems, the diagnosis, prognosis, prescription, we're probably okay with that. I hope we are. And we're always looking to clinically upskill. So we should be golden with that one or we should be working on being golden with that one. The problems that people are happy to tell us about, again, we're reasonably good at challenging at challenging ourselves to get better at these. So we can set some smart goals. We can work on specific functional stuff with a person to help them get better. But these problems of identity, no one taught us about them at university. Well, they didn't teach me anyway. They didn't teach a lot of other people that I know as well. So it's tricky. It's like, where do we start? How do we, how do we get into this? How do we use it for delivering person-centered care? It's hard and there's no right answer to that. So I'm sorry if you've been hanging out and waiting for the answer at the back of the textbook. But while there's no right answer, there are some helpful questions, I think, to ask yourself to assist you to be in the space to deliver person-centered care. So I want you to take a second just to think about yourself with this rather than thinking about any patients. And I want you to think about what are the important roles that you play on a day-to-day or a week-to-week basis? So for me, that's husband, father, son-in-law, son, friend, dog father. They're some of the important roles that I play on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. So make a quick list of those ones. Doesn't have to be super comprehensive. Just get some big ones down. And then ask yourself a next question. How would you feel if that role was taken away from you? Like if you couldn't show up and be the dad that you wanted to be anymore. Or you couldn't look after your dog the way that you wanted to be anymore. Or you couldn't show up and be the mate that you wanted to be, if you were the stink mate that couldn't go and do do all of the stuff that you wanted to with your friends, how would that make you feel? 
So there are some inward-looking questions. Here's some slightly more outward-looking questions. I want you to think about who are the important people in your life and what roles do they play? So this might be your mum or your dad or your spouse or your kids or your neighbours or your workmates or your friends. So who are the important people in your life and what roles do they play? And again, make a quick list. doesn't have to be comprehensive. Just get some, get some important people down. And then ask yourself the question, how would you feel if that person couldn't fulfill that role for you any longer? So if your spouse broke their leg and were out of action for three months, how would that make you feel? They couldn't show up and they couldn't do all the stuff that they would normally do for you. How does that feel to you? And once you start to, to look at some of these questions for yourself and also for those, those people that are close around you, that I think allows us to get into a place where if we can feel these feelings that this person is going through and we can feel what it's like to have our senses of identity challenged and we can think about that alongside the biomedical problems and the patient-centered problems that allows us a way into delivering person-centered care and it makes it easier just to show up with empathy and respect and engaging with this person and building a relationship and having effective communication and sharing the decisions with them and having a focus around all aspects of their life while also being individualized to that person because we understand what they're going through. We understand what it's like to be a human and what, it, what sort of challenges that they might feel and they might be feeling but not being willing to share with us. So that's a problem-solving approach to delivering person-centered care. So we need to be able to help with them with their unknown problems. We need to be able to help them with the, one, the problems that they're happy to talk with us about, but we also need to be able to help them with the problems that they're not happy to talk with us about. We need to be able to help them with the threats to their identities and come up with some plans about how do we how do we go about assisting you back to that identity i hope that's been a helpful tool a helpful thinking framework for you to be able to deliver some person-centered care tomorrow with your patients let's stop that sharing and see if we've got any questions That's a wrap team. I really hope you enjoyed that one. If you want to support the show, the best way you can do that is to share this episode out with your friends, your colleagues, your mum, someone who you think might enjoy it, and to make sure that you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast app so you never miss an episode. 
For more resources for all the episodes, for more information about the Art of Healthcare team, head on over to artofhealthcare.nz and you can find all of that stuff there. The amazing theme music for the episode was produced by my brother Jeremy Desmond, but otherwise you can blame me and my wonderful guest for the rest of the stuff. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for for showing the love. I really appreciate you. Have a great week.